Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. for you today our Pacers baby that's right our Pacers are gonna make a run at the NBA title they got a young exciting team and now they add a 22 6 and 5 front court scorer who isn't from the United States which makes him not a pain in the ass Pascal Siakam yeah who NBC what are you doing we're censoring out actual interviews. Is that what we're doing? I got Tim Hardaway Sr. I got hammer time to talk about all of this. Don't at me. Starts right now. Hey, welcome. You know, there's one of those things. When I was a kid, there was Boys Life magazine, and there were Highlights magazine. You go to the doctor's office, they always had highlights. And there was a number of different games you could play. And one of the games is, here's a picture, here's a picture. Point out what's different in this picture from this picture. Okay? So I want to see. We're going to play that game here as we start this magnificent show. So I want to see if you can tell the difference in this interview with C.J. Stroud, it's the same interview. After the game where C.J. Stroud, Stroud just lit up the NFL, I mean, became an absolute unbelievable superstar. Here is the actual unedited interview right here. Your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? First and foremost, I just want to give all glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got, I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough to be in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. So many. Okay. Now let's go to what NBC put out on their website after they did a little bit of tweaking CJ, your first playoff game in your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got, I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough to be in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. Did you see the difference? Did you see that, for whatever the reason, NBC has taken out the Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ part where C.J. Stroud is praising God? Now, I got to tell you, this is just stupid. I mean, I watched the post-game interview because I want to see more from this kid, and more from this kid is a good thing. More from this kid makes you like him more. You know what I mean? That's what it does. So um, they edited the video, omitted what Stroud would consider the most principled line in his response, mentioning Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question, and this is always the question. Would they have edited it out if he would have said Black Lives Matter? 
Yo, I just want to give credit to Black Lives Matter and the people at the top of Black Lives Matter because you know what? They're stealing all these money from these white people and I think it's great. He could have said that and it would not have been edited out. No, he literally could have. He could have said anything. Hey, what is it now? Be love. Oh, I'm going to be love. Is that Brandon love? Is that Bart love? Is that Bishop love? Is that Bobby love? That's be love, baby. Be love. That's the new thing. Be love. Inspire change and racism. Hey, I just, uh, I just want to thank all of you because, uh, you know, you're a racist bunch out there and I'm not happy with you, but we won and you can keep hating on me, but I'm going to continue being a black quarterback kicking your ass in front of all you racists or something like that. Are you crazy? The NFL has always had a problem with that. Tim Tebow didn't get back into the league because he couldn't play. He got back in the league because he kept kneeling down. And the NFL hated it. They hated that in the biggest game of the year when Tebow was coming up and he led an improbable victory by the Broncos. I think it was on a Thursday night football game. They hated that Tebow became a national superstar for bending a knee. First, the NFL probably hated it that a white guy was a superstar. I mean, we're okay. All right, look, we're okay if it's Peyton. Hell, if it's Peyton, it's good. Brady. But other than Peyton or Brady, we don't want too many white guys. White guy bad in the NFL world. So you think they would have really scrubbed that had he said anything about Black Lives Matter, if he'd have said anything other than Jesus Christ? Because they don't want that. You know, they want hatred. They want division. They want to be seen, them and others, as a beacon. A beacon of we are the agent of change. You got to watch us. You got to go through us. You got to see how we're doing things. It's not a chance in holy hell. That guy could have got up there and he could have said, so-and-so, so-and-so is a racist, and you know what? White guy bad. Whitey bad. He could have got up there and said that ten times and they weren't going to scrub it. Not even a little. It's unbelievable to me that we allow news organizations to do this and we don't call them out on it. I mean, we say, well, that's not... Be love. Inspire change. I want to inspire change. Really? Hey, go out and throw for six touchdowns and we'll pay attention to you. BLM. He could put I hate Whitey on the back of his helmet, that little be love sign there. He could have put I hate Whitey back there and the NFL would have been cool with it. But they don't want to spread love, the NFL. They don't want to. It's like you're never going to hear Jamal Hill talk about real sports. You're never going to hear about Ibrahim, whatever, talk about what's real because, frankly, they can't. They don't want to. They want to be the agent. They want the popularity. They want the cause. Hey, come on this show tonight. Hey, come on that show tonight. Hey, come on this show tonight. You're not supposed to use your platform to spread faith. Bobby Barak said it, Beth. They're supposed to spread the progressive agenda. Black lives matter. Trans lies. Faith is bad for the brand. Trans lives matter. Yay. 
I said this forever. Only been 11 basketball teams at Indiana University Basketball, which started in like 1900 to get to the Elite Eight. Only 11. It's the 40th anniversary of one of them. And you know what? We've never been invited back. I mean, I've seen all kinds of different teams be invited back. But in the history of the school, you can make the argument, this is one of the best 11 teams ever. It beat Michael Jordan for crying out loud. And I've always said at Indiana, if one of our players was a leader in the gay community, former players, if one of our former players was a leader in the trans community, if one of our former players was a gay pride trans, yay, we'd have been every year, we'd be up on some kind of podium getting some kind of reward. People don't want just real. They got to have a, they got to have a hook and the hook is not spreading faith. The hook is spreading the ridiculous garbage agendas, the lying agendas. Now it is what it is and we'll see what happens moving forward, but shame on you, NBC. Shame on you. I mentioned this in the open. I live in Indianapolis. A lot of you live around Indianapolis. At my age, you know what I want? I want appointment TV. I don't want all TV. I just switched to YouTube TV, I guess. I don't know, and it's saving me a ton of money. That's great. I don't need 8,622 channels to show me how to garden, to show me how to buy a, a, a house in Guam. I don't need that. What I need is this right here. That's a fat ass. That right there, that's a television. What time is the game of the team that I want on? And in my world, it's, you know, Super Bowl. I mean, it doesn't have to be that. Those kind of events don't need to have my team in it. National championship game with Michigan. I don't care at all going back for the last two years about Georgia football. I don't care at all, but to play in a national championship game, I'm good with it. Never cared about Washington, not even once, not even a little. But I got to tell you, uh, I was good with Washington because it's a national championship game. But other than those big type events, I want the Cubs in a pennant race August, September, early October. I want the Pacers. I want the Colts down the stretch. I want to wait for a wild card game involving the Colts. I want to wait for a seven game series so that seven nights or five, four nights or whatever it is, I go home and I go, all right, man, Pacers are playing today. You guys watching? And then you text with your buddies as you're watching the game. Pacers just made a hell of a move to get closer to that. The Pacers picked up Pascal Siakam, played for the uh, Raptors. Won a championship with the Raptors. Pretty good. Really good. 22, 6, and 5 assists. The last one I really like because the Pacers have a young group of superstars. And the pay- I don't know about superstars. Let me back up about that. Halliburton is a potential superstar. But, but superstar's too easy. I digress. Guy's 29 years old, Siak. He's not from the United States. You know how great that is? He's not an entitled D-bag. He's a guy from Cameroon that just wants to ball and ball so hard. Now, down the road, Pacers gave up picks. Down the road, there may be two guys you're like, oh, man, you could have had him, but I don't care. And I will be on record 
as we start here in Indianapolis, I will be on record as saying, look, to get going for a title run in Indianapolis, you either got to get lucky, get yourself a Giannis in the draft, you got to build it and hope that guys turn out to be something, or when you have something and the Pacers clearly have something, you've got to add to it regardless of what it's going to cost if you're playing for keeps, if you're playing for titles. And this is what the Pacers did. Pacers said, screw it. We got this group. They like each other. They can go get buckets against anybody. They've proven that. They don't defend much, but that may come. But the fact of the matter is, when you got a shot like this, you got to push them all in, man. You got to push them all in. Or else, when are you? See, you got a couple draft picks a few years down the line, 2025, that kind of thing. How does that stack up with your team being better now? That draft pick may be, oh, I don't know, 20. I don't think the 20th pick off times doesn't really put you over the proverbial hump. Does it align? Does a guy with the 20th pick in 25, all of a sudden now he's good enough in year three, so now we're talking about 28. Are those young guys still here with the Pacers that are doing it in 2023? No, they're not. I mean, you got to hit it perfect to build it through the draft if you don't have the number one pick. And even number one picks aren't looking great, so bear with me for a second. So you just say, screw it. It's time. All in. All aboard. All aboard the train, baby. Because let's be honest, in my time, I wasn't here in 2000 when the Pacers had a shot. I mean, I followed them. I rooted for them. I rooted for them when they were going back and forth. This is in the 90s where finally the Pacers and Mark Boyle had a great call. Ding dong, the witch is dead. And they beat the Knicks. You know, a few years ago, they couldn't bump past LeBron and Miami. So it's not like every two years or three years they got a shot. They don't. They thought they had a shot until Artest beat up the entire city of Detroit. And next thing you know, he suspended. Dudes decided drugs and guns are good things. And they started shooting up downtown Indy. But the fact of the matter is, this is the time to do it. And I am very excited about it. Very. Not a little. Not a skosh. Very. And... The NBA, to me, is a very watchable product in the arena. The arena product is better than the TV product. NFL, TV product, 6,722 times better than the in-game experience. NFL in-game, you got a fat dude in another team's jersey sitting there, he's elbowing, it's stupid. I don't need that. The NFL flows nicely. I don't feel all the stoppages. I don't. At an NFL game, all I see, I've told you, is that guy in the orange gloves going, stop the game. He's over, right over there. He's right over there. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is you go to an NBA game, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. In fact, I got to take my wife. Lee and I got to go as soon as I'm healthy. We got to go. We went last year to a game, had a blast. Good time, good time. I don't know if they're mad at me or not. I got to get a handle on that. Eddie White might be mad at me because I uh, showed him smoking cigars with Woods. But anyway, I digress. So here in Indianapolis, 
the only source of sports in Indianapolis worth paying attention to loves it, so you should love it too. I don't know if Siakam's the greatest thing, but I know the dude averages 22. And he'll go get a rebound. He ain't afraid to pass the ball to a teammate. I mean, what the hell? And they gave up Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown was a nice player. Jordan Warner, whatever. Kid from Louisville. He's all right. Bunch of draft points. Yeah, that's not the greatest, but it's not the worst. We'll be all right. We'll pat us on the head and say, it's okay, Danny boy. All right, these are stories I don't know how to do, and I got to ask for your help on this. I got to ask, because I saw this, and I thought, man, this is a big deal. This is a bad story. And then I'm like, "Ah, hang on here a second. So the owner of the Knicks is on the wrong side of the media, and you all know how I feel about that. I'm on the wrong side of the media. Anything I do that is even remotely whatever, and I I brought it on myself. I'm cool with it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just telling you how the world works. You get on the wrong side of the media, and next thing you know, anything you do is going to be escalated and picked up by other media members, and they're going to try to pile on you. It's the way the world works right now. Some guys are on the right side of the media. Some guys are on the wrong. I would argue that, and I think the guys, Nick and Nick in the truck, will agree, uh, the truck, will agree that Jim Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, is on the wrong side of the media. And he's put himself there. This isn't to make him, me, or anybody else a victim. You put yourself there. I get it. But he's on the wrong side of the media. So a story came out the other day. story came out that Jim Dolan is accused of sexual assault back in 2013. 2013. Apparently, his band was touring with the Eagles. And apparently, he... Dolan and his band, the lawsuit says that while Croft, who's the lady, was massaging Dolan, he was extremely assertive and pressured Ms. Croft into unwanted sexual intercourse with him, despite her being adamant that she did not want to do so. Following that encounter, Dolan repeatedly made sexual advances towards Croft. Shortly after the initial incident, this lawsuit alleges, (laughs) Croft flew to California to work as a massage therapist. However, the lawsuit states those were fraudulent pretenses and instead Croft was trafficked by Dolan to engage in unlawful and unwelcomed sex acts. So hold on here a second. Time out. So you're telling me, I'm all itchy. I'm I'm annoying to watch right now. I got itches everywhere. Um, You're telling me, just just hang on a second. So this guy rapes you. I mean, that's what happens here. You didn't want to have intercourse. You had intercourse. So he rapes you. But somehow, some way, he also is able to traffic you? Like, this doesn't add up to me. Now, I don't know the world of sex trafficking. I don't. And I don't ever want to know the world of sex trafficking. I don't. No interest in the world of sex trafficking. None. Other than if I can help. If I can help, I'm in. But I don't know nothing about it. But how does one go about, you raped me. This is the worst thing ever. You keep making advances towards me that apparently make you uncomfortable. And next thing you know... 
as a massage therapist, I'm being trafficked to other people to have sex. So I guarantee you, here's the thing. I know what I don't know. I do. I always know what I don't know. And one of the things I don't know or understand in this is how this could possibly even work. I would push the guy away. I, I mean, I'm not talking about physically push him away, all that stuff. I'm just saying I would make it so the dude could, if I wasn't going to press charges, I would make it so that the dude never could come around me or never would be around me or I'd change my name, my number. I don't understand it. I'm not saying she did anything right. I'm not saying she did anything wrong. I just don't understand it. That's why I always have trouble with these kind of stories. I do. I always have trouble with them. Like, I try to think through them. I try to think through them logically. And again, this goes to my ignorance on sex trafficking. But common sense says, yeah, well, you're getting the hell away from me, sir. I'm doing you a favor by not locking you up in jail. I I don't know. I I know we're supposed to. I understand we're supposed to. A pile on Jim Dolan. Look, I, I get it. That's what you're supposed to do. Everybody's supposed to pile on. If you see a story, it's automatically true. Well, I think we've all learned that if you see a story, certainly a story of this type nature, uh, not only is it not only true, you know, you're probably thinking this is 50-50 from even being close to being true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I yeah. So... I'm anxious. I'm going to follow this story because this doesn't really make sense to me. Guy rapes me, but I'm okay with it. At least I'm okay with it. And I shouldn't say I'm okay with it. She's saying that I'm still going to be in contact with this guy. I'm still going to let this guy run my life. Again, this is my ignorance about sex trafficking. And I'll tell you right now, I, I don't understand the world, uh, that, that world. But, all right. All right. Doesn't make sense. Nate Oates back in the news. He's not going to be winning any sportsmanship awards. Let's show the move. Let's show Nate Oates' his little move with a four with a player. There's coach right here in the bottom, and he pushes, shoves, pushes, get out. Oh, man. Hang on, Sloopy. Now, look. Oates is the guy right here in the red. You see him with his back, and he takes his right hand, and he shoves, and he's demonstrative, and all that kind of stuff. Now, we were talking about this yesterday, and somebody asked me, and I said, look, this could have escalated so bad. I'll give the kid... I'll give the kid number 35, I think it is. He's got the hair. All right, this guy, see 35 there? I'll give him credit for not losing his mind. I will. I'll give all these guys credit because this is dangerous business. This is the kind of business you don't need on the court. See, I believe as a coach, my job is to de-escalate situations. Now, the whole, man, a grown man doesn't put a grown man's hands on another grown man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Pull this. It plays jingle bells. Will you please? Okay. You know what I mean? Ah. But the fact of the matter is this. When a coach comes out there and he pushes, shoves, grabs, holds, whatever, a player of the opposite team, the opposing team, man, you've got a real problem on your hands. If 
if the opposing team are just wild, undisciplined, and just want, or, 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 or this game is a powder keg waiting to go off. And I'll give the Missouri kids great credit. Maybe, maybe what Oates was saying diffused the situation. Maybe Oates he knew the kid. I don't know. But I know this, you walk on that court as a coach, and what you do is any type of escalating of, what's the right word, emotions to the point of a fight, any type of escalation physically, cheap shots, that kind of thing, you must, as a coach, bring it down, not pump it up. Not even a little. I'll show you one last night. Now, this is different, but this is kind of sort of maybe along the same lines of coaches. Coaches are, like, so sensitive these days. So Rodney Terry was the guy. He was the interim coach, Chris Beard's thing. They get him the job. They go and get beat by Central Florida. Apparently, was it horns down is this? Apparently, that makes Rodney Terry crabby. So let's hear from Rodney Terry. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down like, like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you. But we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. Well, yeah, they are. They just did it. How about Rodney Terry? How about you coach your own damn team? Like, these coaches become the great philosopher. You don't do that. We don't do that. Well, then you don't. You don't do that. All right, good. Good for you. You don't do that. I mean, if that makes you sleep well at night, then fine. But you know who does do that? Central Florida. You know who does do that? Kids that are highly emotional. And actually, actually, Rodney Terry, it's kind of a compliment. It's a compliment that guys got so excited about winning against your team. And it was the first victory for Central Florida football. It was the first victory in their new conference. And Rodney Terry is all sad about it. Rodney Terry hasn't wiped his ass in basketball. He's a nice guy by all accounts. He's a nice coach, blah, 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 blah. But who gives a damn if somebody puts horns down, if somebody dances? Hey, look, in the words of the great Bob Street, you know what's coming. Play better. Bah, play better. Yeah, it's amazing to me. You don't do that. We don't do that. Well, don't. Then you don't. Why does everybody got to think like Rodney Terry? Well, what, 
W-W, what would Rodney R-T-Terry D? What would R-T-D, what would Rodney Terry do? Okay, Rodney Terry, just coach your own damn team. It's not that hard. You wake up, you got a big screen TV behind you, you got your staff here, you coach your team. That's it. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, are, 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 am I wrong? No, I don't think I'm wrong. It makes total sense to me. But we're away from this. We got coaches gone wild. We got Nate Oates trying to beat up everybody. We got Rodney Terry trying to explain to everybody. We got Mike Woodson crying, hoping that the Indiana fans love him like he loves them. You guys are out of your freaking mind. You know what I like? I like Matt Painter. Matt Painter just coaches his team. Doesn't get involved in stupid stuff. I don't know. Am I crazy? Yes. I'm insane for thinking this way. But this is the way that I think. I always said, and I told you this before, when I'm in coaches meeting, head coaches meetings, I'm like, look, if you beat my ass, great. If I beat your ass, great. I don't need to hear from you what you didn't like what I did, and you won't hear from me about what I don't like what you did. Period. I'm going to coach my team, you all coach your team, and then let's figure it out in the end. No. <laughs> of course. That's the way the world should be. We're going to figure it out. We'll get it figured out. All right, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon tells CNBC that people are voting for Trump because he was right about the economy, immigration in China, and says people should be a bit more respectful of MAGA people. Plus, Trump says Vivek will be working with us after Vivek, Vivek gave a fiery speech in New Hampshire. Jamie Dimon's not wrong about this. Like, you can keep bitching, whining, and moaning about Donald Trump, but I don't know if anybody's paid attention to the African-American vote, but a lot of prominent African-Americans are saying, we're going to vote the living hell out of Donald Trump. Because African-American people are starting to wake up. Charles Barkley said it famously, very famously. Hey, look. I'm looking around like I'm, i got to be careful. Hey, look. Uh, black people keep being poor and black people keep voting Democrat in big cities. It don't make no sense. It don't make no damn sense. But Barkley said it and people are like, huh? Now he came off of that a little bit, but he's not wrong. Is he wrong? No. You know, what is the definition of stupidity is is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? Something like that. You make it whatever you want. All right, let's hear from Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan. I wish Democrats would think a little more carefully when they talk about MAGA, you know, and if you travel this country, you know, and the country's unbelievable. We took our bus trip this year and Leslie Picker was on Spokane and Boise and Bozeman. People are growing. They're hungry to grow. They're innovating. It's, it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. So we've got this great hand. But when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He's kind of right about NATO. 
kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't, th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. He, yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate. Yeah, I wish the guy it would just shut up. Not the guy talking. The other guy on the side. Why do people just Nate Burleson just shut up? Man, he's always on a set interrupting, trying to show that he's involved in a conversation. But let me go to what Diamond said, and he's absolutely right. And this is what I've said on this show forever. I'll give a damn about whether Donald Trump, his hat offends you. That's a you problem. I don't give a damn if Donald Trump is a businessman in the 80s and 90s. I don't give a damn if he said things about women. I don't care. I live in a real women, real world. Women say things about men. Men say things about women. That's the way it is. We're not all sitting there, you know, all pristine in our thought, in our mind, and in our speech. We're just not. I'm sorry. But the fact of the matter is, Trump did a great job. He was right about China. He was right about it. He was right about the economy. He was right about having, well, I'm not going to use, I'm going to use a word you all don't like, but fear dictate that, hey, here's the deal. You screw with us, we're going to, well, you're going to have a problem. So let's also hear. Here's another little tidbit from uh, from uh, Jamie D- Diamond. Over group identity and victimhood and grievance, then nobody in the world, not a nation, not a corporation, not a virus, not China, is going to defeat us. That is what American exceptionalism is all about. That is what we are going to revive to, yes, make America great again. Vote for this man right here in the New Hampshire primary. God bless you and your families. And and may God God bless bless our United United States States of America. Thank you, New Hampshire. It's good to see you guys. We're coming back and winning this in a landslide. We will not stop until we get this job done. Thank you all. God bless you and your families. I thought they were kissing. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that's how was that? Pretty good, right? That was pretty good. And he's a fantastic guy. And he's really, uh, he's got something that's uh, very special because he started off with a Zippo and he's got, he ended up very strong. He did a great job. I was actually surprised when he called because he was doing well. And uh, it's an honor to have his endorsement. He's going to be working with us and he'll be working with us for a long time. Yeah, God, I screwed up the intro, but hey, that's what I do. But anyway, so Ramaswamy gives a great speech. I can get fired up by this stuff. I, I can't get fired up. We need a little more breathing room. Or that Nikki frickin' Haley bought in. No, get rid of all these people and let's get serious about our United States of America. Let's get serious about what we're doing here. Let's not screw around. No, I think it's absolutely great. And I think it's great that Trump said that he will be working for us for a long, long time. I think think it's absolutely fantastic. All right, before we go to first break, Jason Allen Hammer joins us. We're going to play a game. Those of you that missed it to start with, we're going to play a game. It's a game you played as a kid in Highlight Magazine or Boy's Life or whatever. Here's a picture. Here's a picture. Tell me what the difference is in this picture. 
and tell me what the difference is in this picture. Here's the first unedited version. Your first NFL season setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? First and foremost, I just want to give all glory and praise my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got, I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough being in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Now here, same video. See if you can tell the difference. CJ, your first playoff game in your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got, I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough being in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. Uh, I think you know what I'm getting at here, right? The folks at NBC decided they didn't like my Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Now, they'll love the BLM. They'll put up cities burning right behind the camera and talk about a peaceful protest. Don't get that wrong. But they don't like you spreading an ideology of love. They like spreading an ideology of the, the boo, division. That's what they like. Divide and conquer. It's as old as me. Actually, it's about a thousand years older than me, divide and conquer. But the fact of the matter is they, they thought that they needed to do this. They've been caught, so we have to make fun and say, isn't it a damn shame that in our country right now, our biggest media folks are telling all of us there's no censorship and we see things like this and we absolutely know that there's censorship? Isn't it amazing that folks like OutKick have to get off for the most part? get off of YouTube to get the show distributed because our show got too popular. And next thing you know, the algorithms changed and they were giving strikes and you couldn't say this and you couldn't say that and you had to watch your ass. It's unbelievable. So you saw it right there. There was the first one, which I saw live, and there was the second one, which apparently went on their website. Man, what a world. Uh, I haven't showed you Gerard Mayo. I don't know if we're going to get to Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo became the head coach. Um, he became the head coach of the New England Patriots, succeeding, succeeding Bill Belichick without ever, ever, ever having blown a whistle as a head coach at any level. And he's bitching, whining, and moaning about racism. Yeah, that okay. We got an NCAA player that hit a ref. Didn't punch a ref, but he hit him with two do with a double bird. How about that? We'll be right back. Jason Allen Hammer next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
There is way too much coming out of Indianapolis, way too much for us not to have the voice of Indianapolis, the great Jason Allen Hammer, A.K. Hammer Time, co-host Hammer and Nigel, the best, and it's been voted this way too, people, Barrett Sports Media, the best afternoon news talk show in the country. H.T. joins us first. Let's go. The news of Jimmy Ursay, big boy, found unresponsive, Carmel Police uh, wasn't there a blotter? Wasn't there anything? Why did this? How did this thing stay quiet other than the, we already know, inept indie Colts media? How did this thing stay quiet? So there are two avenues that we can go down here because I asked this exact question to the news director of the radio station that I work at, 93 WIBC. We actually had him on the air yesterday and asked that right to his face. And he gave an answer that actually made sense to me. So let's go back a little bit. If you remember in that HBO interview, Jim Bursay gave to Andrea Kramer. He kind of throws the police department and his hometown, which is Carmel, Indiana, under the bus. If you remember, Jim Bursay said he was only being picked on because he was a rich white guy. So that kind of upset the Carmel Police Department a little bit. So somebody in that police department leaked out, and this is what I've been told, leaked out that information, and they wanted to get it on a national level. They wanted everybody to look at Jim Ursay and laugh because they felt like they were thrown under the bus. And the first name that came to their mind was TMZ. Now, I asked our news director yesterday, you know, how do local reporters get scooped on that? He said they called the Carmel Police Department, and they didn't want to talk to anybody local, but there's also some media folks in this city that they rely on the milk-giving teat that is Jim Ursay and the Indianapolis Colts. This is a media market that values access over actually doing their jobs. So if they upset the Indianapolis Colts, the cash cow, the king, so to speak, here in Indy, they might get cut off. No more TV rights, no more this, no more interviews. No more post-game shows. You're not allowed to use our logo. No more events. The Colts are a pretty powerful brand when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I know that's a long answer to your question, but two things happening here. Carmel Police Department and Jim Ursay's hometown, there was at least one person that wanted to embarrass him on a national level. And number two, there's a lot of gutless folks here in Indy that didn't want to upset where maybe some of their money comes from. You know, it's interesting. When Ursay did that, going back, I thought that was odd for Ursay. Ursay has always been pro-community. I would say Ursay's always been pro-cop. I would say Ursay's always been uh, prosecutor, law enforcement in general. And when I saw those quotes, I thought to myself, huh, he must really, really have felt that way to say that publicly, but maybe I'm wrong about Ursay. Maybe maybe Ursay has an axe to grind over how he was arrested years ago. Or maybe Jim Ursay's trying to relate to his players, but he did it the wrong way. Yeah. Right? Maybe he's trying to say, look, you guys claim you get hassled by police all the time. You want to take a knee. You want to do these other things. Look, I'm the same way. They're coming after me because I'm a rich white billionaire. Maybe he's trying to relate to the police, but he didn't think it all the way through. But you know this, Dan. You've you know been in Indy long enough. 
when Jim Irsay gets rolling, it gets rolling. And when he's doing this interview with Andrea yeah. Kramer, and she's doing a phenomenal job, by the way, getting him to go to places where he might not have wanted to go, getting him on the record. Once he gets rolling, it's kind of like Donald Trump, right? He can't stop. He can't help himself. So maybe that was a little bit of that. We, nobody's really seen Ursay, right? I mean, there's no – people ask me, is there going to be a legal thing here? No, I think he just overdosed in his house. I don't anticipate any charges. And, and I guess we just take everybody's word that he's at home, he's resting, he's getting better. You know, I don't know. People ask me, do you hear anything different than that? So here's a crazy little timeline for you because last week the Colts said Jim Ursay is suffering from a respiratory illness – and he's getting medical care. Well, when this story broke yesterday morning, everybody just immediately thought, there's no respiratory illness. This is a result of what's being reported by TMZ. But there may be two different things going on here because the paperwork from the police department shows that on December 8th at around 4.30 in the morning, that's when the authorities came into Jim Ursay's home. Uh, they had to give him Narcan. He was cold, blue, um, was really on the verge of passing away. They gave him Narcan. They were a few minutes away from using the shock panels on him. They didn't have to do that because the medics arrived in time. But he was also at the Steelers game that the Colts had on a Saturday by December 16th. So from December 8th through December 16th, Jim Ursay went from being almost dead in his house to being at the Steelers game. But since then, uh, I do think he's got another illness. Like, it's going around. I don't know about you guys. My kids have been sick. Flu's going around. So I'm not going to say that he does not have a respiratory illness. But the timeline is a little odd. The 8th, you're in trouble. The 16th, you're at the game. And now, respect my privacy. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Now it's like... You know, one of the things going back to the media, the indie media, man, they they just ran. They, they didn't even hesitate to run with the Colts' statement back when he had a respiratory disease. And now I was kind of perusing the social media because people are starting to call out Holder of The Athletic or Doyle or all these clowns. And they're all saying the same thing. Well, there were rumors, but nothing we could go on. Really? All right. Okay. I mean, the, the indie star, maybe, maybe this is the way it is in every town. But the Indy Star professes and the Athletic and ESPN withhold. They have all these, quote, insiders. These insiders don't take inside shit. These insiders don't do nothing. <laughs> what are they inside of? What the hell are they? That's Indy. That's Indy as a whole. And it's not just that is Indy. It's politics, too. Like, there's a very good chance the mayor of Indianapolis was in a rehab facility during the summer of love, during the riots where downtown Indianapolis was under siege. Nobody wanted to do a follow-up report on it. We did. We may or may not have spoke to somebody that was in rehab with the mayor. But apparently, trying to get anybody else to talk about that, which I thought was a pretty big deal. You know, your mayor is not around when stores are being looted in downtown Monument Circle. That feels like a big deal to me. But nobody wants to upset anybody here because you might not get that interview during sweeps week. Yeah, it's interesting. So James Briggs comes back. He was afraid to ask the mayor way back when. 
with, and then they furloughed him or kicked him off, and now he's back. And I know he's a buddy and all that stuff, but I just get a kick out of it. I'm back. I was too scared to ask, you know, where the mayor was. I digress. Let me let me go on to what happened last night. You are a massive Pacer fan. You got your Pacer shirt on. The photos of you taking your kids to the Pacers. We are all in on Siakam, right? I love it. I can't love this enough because if you're a fan of a small market team, it's so refreshing to be a freaking buyer and not a seller as the trade deadline comes up. Like if you're a baseball fan of the Cincinnati Reds, all you're asking for is a shot, just a little bit of hope that your team can compete. I don't know if the Pacers are going to win the East. Uh, They've got a really good record against the Milwaukee Bucks. They played the Boston Celtics really well. They've beaten the Philadelphia 76ers this year. But now you add another NBA all-star to that mix, I'm excited. Look, make the playoffs. This team has not made the playoffs in a long time. And when the Pacers are in the playoffs, it's so fun here. You know, downtown, it's warm. The bars are packed. It's the best basketball venue in America, Cambridge Fieldhouse. I missed that. And for a while, Pacers were an afterthought. But one dude has made all this happen, and that's Kevin Pritchard. He pulls the trigger on a trade that helps not only the Pacers, but the Kings too. You get Halliburton here. You make some other moves. You've restructured the roster in a way to where it's a fun brand of basketball to watch. I mean, Pacers, you watch a game with the Pacers, bet the over. When they're healthy, they get up and down the court. And now you bring in another all-star to that front court. Coach, I'm here for it. They can play with anybody in the East. I am too. And and I said earlier, look, I I get it. You know, well, draft picks, draft picks. I don't care about draft picks. I mean, look, at a mid unless you're gonna get the number one, number two pick, even those guys haven't haven't uh turned around franchises. I mean, hell. Between Cade Cunningham and that Victor Webanyama, I think they got 11 wins between those two guys. So I, it, draft choice is not when you're, you know, pretty good, 18, 19. That's no good for you. So push them all in. We only get so many opportunities. All right, Indiana, Purdue. Woodson catching a lot of hell. Our boy Doyle is making Xavier Johnson out to be a martyr. We got to be nice. I screw all this. Indiana stinks. I'm hot about it. I'm not happy about it. And you should be. And you know what? It's fair to criticize Woodson because what Mike Woodson has done is surround himself by yes-men in Bloomington. And and you know this more than anybody, Coach. I mean, I don't know why I'm telling this story. It should be you. The people that used to be around Woodson, whether it be Dane Fife, whether it be Thad Mata, Woodson wanted nothing to do with them. Can't tell them anything. He's going to run his program like an NBA program. But that hasn't worked. And you're seeing now. You know, how much Trace Jackson Davis covered up the lack of Mike Woodson's ability to get things done in Indiana. Now, Trace Jackson Davis didn't take this team to the Sweet 16, didn't take them to the Elite Eight, but he was a damn good player at Indiana by their standards now. And without him, you're seeing the cupboard is pretty bare. And Woodson, it's almost like he's listening to fans now. We complained about the rotations. We've all complained about Xavier Johnson. And now, just now, with the seat getting a little hot, maybe in Bloomington, he's starting to make these changes. That tells me he's desperate, Coach. 
You know what? He, he went out there and he said, hey, I love Indiana fans. I hope they love me back. Shut up. Shut up. Make them love you. You know, beat Purdue. I, hey, uh, can Nikki Haley not count? Or is Nikki Haley just someone that, like most of these politicians of a certain age, is just talking? It's a two-person race. She considers herself involved, even though she came in third in the caucus. <laughs> yeah, this is, to me, this is what I think happened. One of her staffers probably wrote that speech put it in the prompter. She just looked at it and ran the way Joe Biden does. Now, she didn't say end of quote or repeat the line out loud like Joe Biden does. <laughs> but I also can't discount the fact that she's delusional. Now, she will do well in New Hampshire and she will do well in South Carolina. And when I say well, finish in second place. She's going to dust DeSantis in New Hampshire and in her home state. And that might be enough for her to keep going uh, I think DeSantis may be done after South Carolina, but let's not get it twisted. This is a one-person race. We can argue all you want about it's a three-person, it's a two-person. No, it's one. And the only person or people that can keep Donald Trump from being the nominee are judges in courtrooms right now. If he's allowed to be on the ballot, this is over. This is a ball game. Donald Trump right now is the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers, and he's going to win every single primary unless some judge takes him off the ballot. And if you're talking about margin of victory here, New Hampshire may be closer than people think, but it's still going to be between 6 and 10%. You know, African-Americans have come out, and they've been actually very vocal. Uh, popular uh, African-Americans have come out and said, look, we're voting for Trump. I mean, do you think that is real? Do you think, and if it is real, do you think that impacts? It is real, but it frustrates me because where have you been? Everyone tried to tell you years ago, the Democratic Party has done nothing, nothing for the black community. All you've been told is orange man back. Donald Trump's racist, Donald Trump's racist. But you're gonna go and cast your ballot for a guy that went to funerals of segregationists, says racist things over and over again, you ain't black. You can't go into a 7-Eleven without an Indian accent. These are all things Joe Biden has said on tape. And they're still, as embarrassing as it will be, still going to be people, whether it's in Chicago, the citizens that are upset about the immigration crisis, or members of the black community. They're going to sit there, they're going to bitch, they're going to moan, they're going to complain, and they're going to go back in the voting booth and vote for the exact same crap that they're upset about. Yeah, if you go back, it is really funny to go back and see the stuff that Biden has said over the years. And he says it's so racial, racially charged, but he says it's so matter-of-fact that you're like, huh, uh, I guess that's just who he is. I, I don't know. It's just like, it, it's so matter of fact, it goes past you once in a while. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And then he tries to make it like folksy. He has folksy racism. Like if you watch yeah, that yeah, video that's of it. him talking about the 7-Eleven, <laughs> he says at the end, I'm not joking. Like, like people thought that was a joke. <laughs> like that's a joke you would expect Hair Sniff McGee to break <laughs> out from time to time. But he wanted to let you know, I'm not joking this time. I know. I I know it, it's the damnedest thing. And yet, you know, somehow, some way, people are going to vote for him. Hey, uh, last, last thing. Who wins? 
Who wins the NFL playoff? Let, let me go this one. Chiefs and uh, Bills in the game. It's kind of put up or shut, or shut up for Josh Allen. Who wins that one? I think Josh Allen puts up. I like Buffalo here. They're at home. And this is Josh Allen's run. And it reminds me a little bit of Peyton Manning here in Indy. For years, Peyton had a really good team, got to the playoffs, couldn't win. Laid an A. Would get, you know, a couple rounds in, could not get to the Super Bowl. And then one year when nobody thought they would, I think they rolled in the playoffs as a three or a four seed the year they won the Super Bowl. They got through. I'm kind of seeing that progression with Josh Allen. He's had his heart broken. He's played well. He's played bad. He's lost some playoff games. He's been up and down this year. But I think this Buffalo squad, they're peaking at the right time. And other than Patrick Mahomes right now, I'm not scared of anybody on Kansas City. Kelsey's still there, but even he's had a case of the drops lately. Their wideouts don't scare me. I'm not scared of the running game. I'm not scared of Kansas City's defense. I like Buffalo in this one. I'll lay the three. Yeah, it's always hard for me because there are certain guys – and I said this way back about Urban. I say it about Saban. I'm thinking I'm saying it about Andy Reid and the Chiefs. I just hate to give points. I, I hate to give up getting points whenever the Chiefs get points. I, I hate that. I, I think it's bad business, but I do think what you said is absolutely right. There's like a rite of passage to get through, you know, and I think this is the year that Buffalo does that. I do, but giving up points, man, when the Chiefs can get points, ah, that's tough to me. It's tough. It's a tough pull giving Patrick Mahomes points here, but uh, Josh Allen isn't a bum. Let's not get it twisted. We're not talking about Jared Goff or Baker Mayfield against Patrick Mahomes here. I like Josh Allen a great deal, and uh, I'll lay the three at home. Yeah. No, I get it. I do. AHT, thanks, my friend. Thanks for coming on. You got it, brother. Appreciate you. That's an American patriot right there. That's right. He's Jason Allen Hammer, 93.1 WIBC, 3 to 6 every day. It's Hammer and Nigel, and it is spectacular. Tim Hardaway's a Hall of Famer. Tim Hardaway's a five-time, five-time, first team, or excuse me, five-time All-Star, All-NBA team, Olympic gold medalist. He's going to join us next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
You know, I never met Tim Hardaway Sr., not Junior. I met Junior when my son was in Michigan. But uh, in 1989, I was an assistant coach at Indiana, and we played UTEP. And UTEP <laughs> had Tim Hardaway. They had a, a monster named Antonio Davis. I remember going, holy crap, what is this? They had a post guy who was leading the country in block shots. I think his name was Holder or Holden or something like that. And we had a really good team, and we ended up beating Tim. But, Tim, I remember Haskins and Coach Knight were good friends, so it was kind of fun. You yes. played us in Bloomington. We played you in, in the tournament. But, yeah. damn, that was – how did you all end up there? How did you from Chicago end up down there? How did that dude could recruit Haskins? Yeah, Haskins could recruit um, Russ Bradford. They had a bunch of um, great recruiters there at Texas Russ, Pass. You Russ, had, Brad, Russ, Russ Bradford. Russ Bradford. You yeah. Had, you had Tim Floyd that was there when I was there. Yeah. Um, but they, but you know what they uh, they had a bunch of great recruiters that um, that could recruit. I mean, they had a bunch of All Americans from uh, L.A. Um, that came from L.A. Uh, that transferred in from different schools that should have came there in the first place, like Greg Foster. He should have never went to UCLA. He should have came to UTEP. Uh, Chris Sandel, he never should have went to Arizona State. He should have came straight to uh, Texas El Paso. Uh, You know, you had Quentin Gage, Jeep Jackson, Wayne Campbell. A lot of guys that came there and played. Dave Fido went there. You know, a lot of people didn't know about the 1966, you know, team that won it all uh no a lot of people don't know that nate archibald went there after he went to um junior college either so you know it's a great tradition great roots there from um that don haskins uh um brought to the um the school basketball wise and um you know we we in this great city man it's a well-kept great city that no nobody knows about but when you go up there you'll fall in love with the city and the people yeah, we played down there. I think I don't know if it was ninety. I think the next year we went and played yes, down there. Damn, it's like it's like a it's like a damn party there. I remember going <laughs> into the game. We're pulling in there. It's on the bus, and there's like beer stands, and, I, and you know we're it was pretty, it's pretty freaking awesome, well, is what it was. You know, you know what? A lot of people don't know about El Paso and what. El Paso does is right by the border, Warriors, and they want you to experience not only you know Warriors, but experience the uh, culture of of El Paso, and the culture of El Paso is very nice people, um, a great city, a great t- town where you come and and do some business, and they can party there too. They get down and party there, but they like to show you a good time. Where they like to you know show you what they got some great places to eat at too. And um, so they just want to show you a great time with the uh, amount of time that you're there. She, they trying to do it all at one time, knowing that you only got probably two or three days to soak it all in. But they, they try to show you a great time, which they do. Yeah, Haskins took us to some beer pool hall or something like that for dinner, man. And it was really yeah. good. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're, Coach Knight and I are sitting there, and Haskins is yelling at the people in the back to get us this stuff. And, you know, like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, yeah, that, uh, let's that talk was, about a couple of different things. Go ahead. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was Coach Haskins' spot where he likes to go and play pool and hang out and enjoy food. And that was his spot from, you know, we we talking about from 1966 all the way up to, you know, all the way up to when y'all came up there. That was his spot there. Everybody knew that. 
Everybody knew that. And, and I, he must have told people Bobby Knight was going to come and they were going to have of a course. fist fight or something because the place of had course. people all, you know, there was people everywhere, right? I mean, it was. Of course. I, I don't remember every, you know how it is. You travel enough with teams. You don't remember every trip, but you remember some. And I remember that. I remember that one really yeah. well. I remember Great that trip. Great experience. Hey, Tim. Yeah. I got to ask you some NBA questions because you're 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 an older guy, but I don't you know I don't consider you an old guy. You know, the in-season tournament in the NBA. What was your thought on that? I think everybody thought on that was what is going on, what is happening, why are we having that, why why should we have something that that needs to. Uh, Get the, get these guys hyped and, and and get them you know wanting to play basketball early in the season. And when we started watching it on th- Tuesday, Thursday, or yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Friday. Uh, I got a sense that you know you 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 could tell some guys, some teams, they get to jail doing that particular uh, instances in the in season tournament. They get to find out who they really are and what they want to be and if they want to contend, not only for the end-season tournament, for a title. So um, um, I thought I thought it was a great success. I thought the NBA did a great job in promoting it. I think that, that um, you know, what, 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 I, what I really took from it, if, if a 20-year-old guy, 20 guy that's, a guy that's been in the league for 20 seasons, um, can get really wrapped up in it and excited about it and want to win it and want to be the first one to go out there and do it. And, and LeBron James, how come everybody else can't? And, you know, and like they say, it's not only for them. It's for their team. It's for money. You know, it's, it's guys that want to win for other guys on their team. They want to do – because $500,000 can help another guy that's only making, you know, two fifty, three hundred. You know, uh, five hundred thousand to help them out with some of their bills or something else that they need to have or put in a savings account or whatever. So I think I think it was a total success, and I think everybody's going to be more and more and more hyped about it next year, especially it being in you know Las Vegas each and every year. I think that everybody was like, you know, at first let's let's see let's see, but it came to be a big 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 thing, and I and I'm I'm just so happy that um that everybody uh, uh, responded and, and played the way they played because I was excited about it. And I, I had fun about it, watching it. You know, um, for us in Indianapolis, to your point, it was a big deal because Indianapolis mm-hmm. played great in it and got to the final. And, you know, now they go make the trade for Siakam yesterday, uh, yes. yesterday yes. with these young guys, Halliburton. I mean, I think it has propelled this team not only locally but nationally. Yeah, I think um, the GM there, he sees that it's, it's now. Now is the time to win. We got some yeah. young guys. We got some guys that um, are ready to play, ready to go out there and compete each and every night. And um, he sees the value in um, the big fella, Miles. Uh, he understands that, you know, Miles is not getting younger. Miles is getting older. And each year that you, you don't make it to the playoffs, it's another year off his career. So, uh, we got. They have to uh, minimize his uh, his talent right now and go for it right now. And I think you know with with, with their confidence, Hallenberg confidence. 
I mean, the way he goes out there and propels his team and puts them on his back, um, and, and they and they feed off of him. Um, that's that's big for that team. And, and, and you know, he hurt right now, which you know is is sad to see. I hope he he helps and get back uh, because he's a great talent. Love watching him play. But uh, you know, he um, he brings a sense of confidence for that team, and that and that team it. it, it Rolls with them and, and they love they love playing with them too. Tim in the East, you know, I always said this, and you you were in the era where you you know I remember talking to Isaiah about this. You had to beat the next team, like Jordan's team had to beat, you know, they had to beat Isaiah. Isaiah had to beat Bird, you know, to get through. Um, is it still like that in in your way of thinking? Well, you know, in the East, you know, um, it's Boston. Boston right up there. And they made some tremendous moves to get better. You know, Porzingis, Holiday, you know, to go along with Tatum and Brown. And then you have um, the supporting cast that's around them. You, you, I mean, they, 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 they playing lights out basketball. You know, sometimes you're going to have some, some tough games where you're going to get blown out. You know, or you might lose a couple here and there, but they're going out there and playing um, like they know that they can win it all and they have the talent to win it all. Um, they just have to stay in uh, what I want to say. They, they have to stay healthy to take that next level, take that next step. But, you know, it's, it's Boston. Uh, it's Philly right there. You know, I think Philly needs another piece, another piece. But you know what? I like what they have. They got a good nucleus there. They got if they if they sometimes just go to Tobias and show them that they got confidence in him because he can deliver on the offensive end and and make plays on the offense offensive end. And I think who they acquired from getting uh, from um, letting um, trading. Harden to LA. I think they have, you know, a great group of guys, great nucleus that's going to come that that they gonna see after All Star break. And if they if they stay healthy, if MB stay healthy, I hope he stay healthy. Uh, you know, they can make a run at it. You can't never count Miami out. You can't never count Miami out. They just right there and they just put. You know, it's it's just hard, man. It's just hard. It's just determination. It's move. And you know what? It's movement. It's movement. You know, most guys don't like to play defense. Most teams don't like to play defense for 24 seconds. They're going to make you play defense for 24 seconds or they're going to get an easy shot. So they move the ball around. They pass it around. They they, they, they dribble handoff. They uh, they get into the lane, make plays. That's what makes Miami so uh, tough. And, 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 and they're in shape all the time. You never see them, you know, at the end of the game, you know, holding their um, – uh, 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 shorts and huffing and puffing like other teams. They always in shape and they always ready to go and, and, and ready to play. That's you know that's just that's the way the Miami Heat is. That's that's our that's our model. <laughs> you, you, you it is. It's like we're gonna you know it's kind of an old school model. We were talking about Haskins and Bobby Knight. It's kind of yeah. you know Pat Riley's thing. Let me go back to a team that you mentioned right there. You mentioned the Clippers. Now we're very familiar with Paul George and. You know, you got Kawhi out there. You mentioned Harden. Where are they at in the mix here in the West? You know, I say this. If I put it on one person, if Kawhi Leonard stays healthy, they're going to be scary. 
can't nobody stop or stick Kawhi Leonard. If he wants to take over a basketball game, he can take over a basketball game. Um, and it, he just steady with it. He just comes out, plays his game. He just steady with it, with it. And I hope he stays healthy. I think, you know, everybody was down. Even myself was down. I didn't like to trade. I didn't like uh, uh, because Ty Lue was getting, had his team rolling and everything. And I, and I didn't like to trade with James Harden. But you know what? Um, they finding themselves out there. They find themselves, and Zubak is out for like another, you know, he he just went down for like four, three to four weeks uh, with an injury. So that's going to hurt them having a big man. But I, li- I like their team, and I like their nucleus. I like what they're doing. They're going to be scary if they can stay healthy. If Paul George and um, Kawhi Leonard stay healthy, they're going to be scary, man. And, I, and, I, and, 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 and it's teams out there that can't stick them can't you can't play with them that's why they they're they gonna be scary and then you got you know you can't count you can't never count denver out you know the joker and, and murray and and the rest of the crew you can't count them out they they just steady right now they just steady but i think after the all-star game you're gonna see them um playing a lot better basketball like they did last season hey who's the best player you ever played against oh man mm. Played against, of course, Michael Jordan. The best player I played against, of course, Michael Jordan. The best point. Is that guard. is that enough? Course, I mean, is that is that an absolute? Like people say, LeBron. You know, is that absolute? It is my for a guy like you. It is Michael Jordan. Yes, for a guy like me, it is Michael Jordan. Absolute. Um, you know, you try to stop him. You 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 got uh, um, defense to go out there and stop him. You try to double team him. Uh, it's just the way his footwork was, the way he saw the game, how he played the game, you know, um, how he studied the game, um, um, you know, the strength, uh, his will to make shots. Uh, you know, he said he wanted to be the defensive player of the year. He goes out there and gets it done. Um, you know, it's, it's just his will to win and his will to uh, uh, have his team accountable for what they need to do out there. So, I mean, you know, you know, you, you, all, all great basketball players have, uh, you know, have fights with their teammates, arguments with their teammates. Uh, but that makes your teammates better. And that makes you, you your team better and makes you understand how you need to go out there and play and what it takes to win a championship. And that's what he did and, and, and his team – uh, you always need somebody. You always need a Scottie Pippen. You always need a Dennis Rodman. You always need a Luke Long. You always need a Steve Kerr or a uh, Paxton. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, but you, that one main guy takes you to that next level, and that was Michael Jordan. He takes you to that next level, and, and he showed you. He he didn't want to get beat. You know, he didn't want to have. He didn't want you to have any bragging rights or in, in, in over him. So he he made sure that he went out there and won games. Hey, last, last thing. I've said this forever, and you're the perfect guy. Isaiah Thomas goes to the rim, and Carl Malone damn near kills him back in the day, right? And Isaiah, was, you know, he's like, he's like, hey, man, people don't know how close I came to – you go to the rim, and Ewing or Morning or somebody's going to kill you. Now I watch Steph Curry, and he's great. He dances with it, all that stuff. He goes to the rim. Everybody gets the hell out of the way. 
It's a different game for a guy your size in the NBA right now, man. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, well, uh, you're not wrong, but you know what? Uh, it, that was personal. Yeah, I was, I'm going to tell you this. I'm smoking a cigar, and this guy, he's smoking a cigar next to me, and we was talking, and he said, man, that was a cheap shot that Carl Malone did to Isaiah Thomas, and here you are talking about it. And I said, yeah, but I said, but you know that wh- wh- why that was? He was like, no, I, I, I don't know why that was. I said, well, you know, Isaiah Thomas was mad because they picked John Stockton over Isaiah to go to Olympics. And Isaiah said right. when, it, when next time he play him that he's going to kill him. He's going to try to score at least 60, 70 points on him. And actually, he was doing it. And Carl Malone <laughs> took objective to that, and that incident happened. But you know what? You got to have friends. You got to have friends and teammates to come to your help. Uh, uh, Bill Lane Beer came off the bench and ran the length of the court and started trying to beat up on on Carl Malone because he knew that was a dirty play. Yeah, this, you know, you did the way the game is now, um, there isn't. You know, you got the uh, you got any, the crap knocked out of you going to the room. Oh yeah, but, but but you know what? We grew up like that. That's how we play basketball. Right. The kids right. today, the kids right. today, they don't grow up like that. We got a silver spoon in their mouth. We make sure that they taking well care of. We make sure that you know everything is okay. But you know we got to make them understand when we get out there on that court, it's still imano imano, and it's still. Uh, a lot of things at stake and bragging rights at stake. You know, and I want to ask you something. I, I, you know what I disagree with? I disagree with, uh, you know, if you want to shake hands after the game, you can shake hands after the game. But I think that after the game, they making these guys shake hands, and some guys don't want to shake hands. Like some coaches don't want to shake hands, and they making them do that. And I feel that that's a mistake because anything can happen. And I, and I feel that they need to keep – pay more and more attention to this because a lot of things are starting to happen. Like last night when UCF uh, beat Texas and they was throwing the horns down and Rodney (laughs) got mad at them for throwing the horns down, which is classless, and you don't do that. Maybe you do that in the locker room, but you don't do that right on the court. You see what I'm saying? So I I feel that, you know, it's give and take with that, and and people got to understand uh, or the NCAA got to understand. You got to watch out for that because you know, in 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 those lines last year, I want to ask you this: in those lines last year, in the NCAA at last year, a girl got knocked out in the girls' game. Yeah, a girl. Yeah, girl. She, yeah. And, and that she and so so that's what I'm saying. You got to. I'm thinking that you know you shouldn't want these kids to shake hands because emotions they they emotions take over on them. Yeah, I, hey, I've said for years, when I played, I was a little ahead of you. When I played at Indiana, uh, my team, my high school teammate played at Purdue. Game mm-hmm. was over. We didn't have a handshake line. I went over and gave him a hug. Jimmy gave me a hug, and we went, you know, we, we went about. Right. I, right. You're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're a thousand. Because, you know, people expect you, Tim, they expect you to go from a thousand miles an hour playing the game emotional to just right. shutting it off as soon as that buzzer happens. And right. it's, it's not that easy to do, man. It's no, I'm it's with you totally. That, yeah. And then they no, get mad at Tim, you. Tim, I appreciate then, Go ahead. And they, yeah, they, then they get mad at you for running off saying you unsportsmanlike. Maybe you yes. just don't want to yes. feel like touching nobody or talking to nobody at that particular time. That don't make it unsportsmanlike. That's all I'm saying. 
You know, we we, right. we get into a times where we get into a times where uh, now we it's hugging and laughing, and it's if I don't want to hug and laugh, you know, like LeBron, sometimes if he getting beat, he'll just get up off the bench and just walk to the to the back, you know. But <laughs> you know, and and, and 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 I feel him. He don't want to at that particular time. He don't want to talk. He don't want to say nothing. He don't want to say good game because he's feeling in his feelings that and i understand that so yeah i I just say when people do that i think they shouldn't get criticized for just walking off and 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 collecting themselves and seeing somebody in the back you don't have to see them hug or or shake somebody's hand in the back but 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 that's because they want to do that and they need a man I'm with you, man. I'm glad you said that because I, whenever I say that, people get mad at me. They, you know, blah. No. I, hey, I, I totally appreciate you, man. You. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thanks appreciate for coming on. Too. That was a lot of fun. Yes, sir. All right. That's Keep the great Hall of Famer. That's Tim Hardaway. Uh, that's really fun. Tim Hardaway, his son. I didn't get into his son, Tim Jr., but what a nice guy, that kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's an adult. I get it. But. He was very nice to my son and I when we came on a recruiting trip to uh, Michigan. I always admired Tim Hardaway. I did. And uh, he's so right about that freaking handshake line, man. You're supposed to go from wanting to beat the living crap out of somebody so a buzzer rings and then you're all just supposed to play nice. I grew up in Gary, Indiana. That is not how it went. And I'm not saying I'm the toughest guy. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm nothing. I just know that when I went into West, uh, West Side or Roosevelt and played basketball, you played. Sometimes you fought. Crazy. I'm so with him. I'm so tired of freaking handshake line. Uh, just do away with it. Let's move forward and be done. All right, that was a lot of fun. All right, hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's do it. Let's get the damn awards going here as we head towards 1030. Uh, the Damn Awards, Stud of the Week, it's a Caitlin Clark effect. Women's basketball tickets are going for as much as two grand for home games at Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark is the stud player. She's the most interesting player in college basketball, men or women. Now, Iowa basketball, I was trying to explain this to my son. Iowa women's basketball has been unique for years. I don't know if you know this. But I believe it's only within the last 25 years that Iowa women's basketball went away from three-on-three on on each side, meaning you played three-on-three here, you got the ball to half court, you threw it ahead, and it was three-on-three over here. So you may have never scored a point in your high school career in women's basketball in Iowa because you only played defense. It's not been that recent that they changed. Vivian Stringer was a great coach there. Iowa basketball has been different, but nobody, and I mean nobody, has ever I don't think in any school, we had Stephanie White here, fantastic player. Steph White, great player, won an NCAA title at Purdue, but I don't think she captured the imagination of a basketball state like Indiana, like we're seeing with Caitlin Clark. I'll tell you this, this is fascinating. Somebody had this idea today, thought it was interesting. So Caitlin Clark can come back. If she doesn't come back, she's the first pick in the draft, or could be the first pick in the draft, here in Indianapolis by the fever. I would make her the first pick in the draft, and I wouldn't think twice. But here's the deal. Iowa wants to capitalize on Caitlin Clark. So Iowa, it was said today, should do this. They should put out their season ticket renewal now before Caitlin Clark makes a decision and make it non-refundable. 
Get all these people. You're a bandwagon person. You're not. A, I, I don't care. Like, it don't matter to me whether you're bandwagon, you're not bandwagon. That's, that's all for, that's media hype. But you're going to have to put your money where your mouth is because you're going to want to see Caitlin Clark. I think it's fascinating. I do. I think that's a great idea. Caitlin Clark's made a lot of money. Iowa's made a lot of money. Big Ten's got a lot of exposure. If uh, Iowa can take this run as deep as they did last year to the championship game, college basketball, women's college basketball, toes are a-tapping. Uh, loser of the week, I, I'm just tired of Nate Oates. I, 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 I don't know Nate Oates. I think I did a show on ESPN that he came on, so I'm sure he's a good guy, but I'm tired of him. You don't go shove. Can we show the shove? Can we show the shove while we're talking to Nate Oates? There he goes. Here's Nate Oates in the red. He's shoving a player like he's some tough guy. I'm sure Nate's very tough. I'm sure he's very physical. I'm sure he's very tough. All these coaches become very tough when they get older. They weren't tough as players, but now they're tough guys. And I give Missouri and their their coach, Dennis Gates, a lot of credit for not escalating this. You see the referee, hey, 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 what are you doing? Because you are the coach. You are supposed to de-escalate things. You're supposed to bring down the temperature. You're not supposed to elevate the temperature. And Oates didn't do that because Oates thinks he's a tough guy. Now, he is in a tough spot. The player for Missouri is couldn't cause a tr- problem here. I don't, I'm not the guy that says, man, you don't put your hands on nobody. Shut up with that. But I don't know about ho- the whole demonstrative push the guy out of the way deal either. You'd go to embarrass a player like that, a player may come back and embarrass you. Uh, strangest story of the week A doctor in Montreal was suspended for telling a patient she can't turn into a man. She can't turn into a man. The doctor believed in science, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. The doctor believed in science, Dr. Raymond Bijoux, for refusing to use a transgender patient's preferred pronouns during an argument about the dangers of a sex change. The patient asked you for a prescription for testosterone therapy to help her transition into a man. Woman said she was ready to take the next step. Bihir said no. No. Bihir suggested the patient could take testosterone via a gel that is rubbed into the top part of the arms and into the armpit. But this was rejected by the patient who said they were only willing to use testosterone injections, which can cause a body to masculine more quickly. The clinic, the clinic said he was disrespectful. The clinic was recording the, or the patient was recording the appointment. The clinic said he was disrespectful. What has that person ever done to gain respect? I don't know. So they suspended him for three months. Why should a doctor be obligated to help someone change their sex, gender affirmation? He was protecting the patient, not discriminating against the patient. And, of course, the New York Times, that's expose detail, the harmful effects of the care that this person wanted. So doctor is saw as a bigot. I see the doctor as a student of science. World is insane. We are all insane. Those of you that are crazy ass, we got to change our sex. You are insane. It's not like getting a tattoo. Everybody's nuts except for us that watch this show. We know this, we love this, and we will stick by that statement for as long as we possibly can. Uh, Worst week, 
I don't know if Indiana basketball had the worst week, but it ain't good. Biggest loss since 1934 to Purdue in Assembly Hall. That ain't good. That ain't good. Crowd booing you off the court at halftime down 21-22. That ain't good. You actually cut it to nine, but you knew that wasn't going to happen, and it ended up being basically the same score. You didn't cut into the lead at all at the end. That ain't good. So IU basketball, what can I tell you? We love you. We love you enough to hate you. We love you enough to criticize you. We love you enough to make fun of you when necessary. All right, we come back. Uh, We got a new Martin Luther King. Dr. Martin Luther King has entered the NFL. We'll tell you about it when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah, you know, I I try to understand things. I do. Uh, We have a new Martin Luther King in New England. I, I don't, look, here's the way I look at things. I look at things like I don't care about a football coach's discussion on anything other than if they're talking to me about football or whatever, life, whatever. I mean, I don't care. I don't need a football coach's words on every little social justice problem. I don't need a politician's morality. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't care about it. I don't care whether Donald Trump said grab him by the whatever. Uh, I would rather Bill Clinton didn't try to, you know, have sex with everything that walked, but I'm not his wife, his daughter, his son. But Gerard Mayo yesterday, he gets a job in New England. Now, you could argue, at least based on the success that, I don't know, Bill Belichick had. It's the best job in the NFL. I mean, they've won the most Super Bowls over the last you know, decade or two, I mean, that must make it the best job. There's nothing you can't do there. But this guy gets the job, and immediately it's about race. It's immediately this is like this guy's stand. And I love how he educates us in the middle of this about the spot getting hot. Like, oh, man, he's the first African-American that we've ever talked to. Thank God for his knowledge of what slang is. Let's hear from Gerard Mayo. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. And whatever, whatever happens, black, white, disabled person, I've always, even someone with disabilities, I always, uh, you know, for the most part, people are like, you know, don't, you know, when they're young, they, they kind of make the spot hot. Younger people know what that means. But what I would say is, like, no, I want you to be able to go up to those people and really understand those people. So it goes back to whatever it is, black, white, yellow, it really doesn't matter, but it does matter so we can try to fix a problem that we all know we have. 
So what's the problem here, Gerard, that because you were, if you really went by what's going down here, if you really went by, Bill Belichick was fired because they didn't win over the last three or four years. That's why he got fired. We can say it's mutually agreed upon. We can say it's whatever you want. But that's what happened. Gerard Mayo was on the staff of these last three or four years. So Gerard Mayo, at 37 years old, is going to educate us on what the spot being hot. I don't know if any of you know that because, well, you're, you're white and you couldn't possibly understand. Uh, shut up. But the truth of the matter is, so Gerard Mayo has been there for all of this losing. He's been there for the entire time that Belichick has been losing. He got there in 19 as a coach, and they have lost. So the way this normally goes is this. The way this normally goes is if you're on the staff and we fire you for not being good enough, you're usually fired. Doesn't always go that way. NFL is a little different, but the fact of the matter is that's normally how it goes. But because O.J. Mayo or Gerard Mayo is a black guy, because Gerard Mayo seems to be a good guy, because Gerard Mayo uh, is a former guy and they liked him there when he played and they liked him enough to bring him back as a coach and they liked him enough, now he becomes the head coach without ever holding a meeting without ever holding a staff meeting. He wasn't even a coordinator. He wasn't even the entire linebackers coach. He was an inside linebackers coach. That's what he was. And he has the audacity to come on here and start talking about racism? Where's the racism in this? Well, you don't know what it's like to live as an African-American. Well, you don't know what it's like to live as a white guy. (laughs) I'm not being a victim here. Of course not. You're telling me that of all the candidates in the NFL, all of them, all of them across the board, guys that have been head coaches, guys that have won Super Bowls, you're telling me Gerard Mayo is the best guy for the best job in the NFL. All right. If he is, fine. I don't know the entire list of candidates. But I know you've got guys in Mike Tomlin and Mike McCarthy who have over 500 records, who have won Super Bowls, who people are saying can't coach blind turkeys and take a dump right now. But this guy sets into into the best job in the NFL if you go by titles. They seem to keep their coaches a minute. At least they did Belichick for 24 years. And somehow him being a victim... Him being, uh, talking about racism sets the tone of the job. Look, I, it's fine. And everybody's going to have their thoughts on it. And if you don't like my thought on it, I'm not mad at you. I don't know. Like, uh, we were talking off air a minute. Somebody said, hey, look, if I were a New England fan, I don't think I'd be a New England fan anymore. That kind of stuff runs deep. And one of the things you got to understand is that Mayo, that speech, has been universally praised 
by African Americans in the sport of football. Now, you got to also understand that the dumbest human beings alive are reporters in the NFL. I mean, you just, black or white. You got to you understand that, and you understand what's what's going on here. But the fact of the matter is, uh, O.J. Mayo, what's he bitching about? What's he whining about? Dude got himself the best job in the league, and we got to listen to stupid stuff. Yeah, I don't want to listen to stupid stuff. I'm too I'm too old to listen to stupid stuff. But look, good for Mayo. Good for, but he got Stephen Holder on his side. This is what a lot of black people are saying. All right, great. All right, Connor Stallions ain't going anywhere, people. Connor Stallions ain't going anywhere. You want Connor Stallions? It's smart by him. I've made a lot of money off cameos. Smart, I only charge like 50 bucks. Connor Stallions looks like he's charging five bucks. He needs to crank that up. Five bucks? Nah. Crank that bad boy up. Get yourself something good and let's go. Put it up to five, 50 bucks. Get yourself a Connor Stallions cameo. We got to get Connor Stallions on the show. Got to figure out how to get him on here. But he's not going anywhere. Wait a second. Now he is charging 75 bucks for personal cameo videos that include roasts, birthdays, game recaps, advice, or any general question fans might have. Yeah, there it is. I'm sorry. I was looking up there underneath his name. Five star. Yeah. Yeah. Personal video, 75 bucks. Wait, he's getting more money than me. That ain't right. <laughs> I made a lot of money off of Cameo. Cameo's great, and I like doing them. Did two yesterday. All right. So Nick Sirianni, we all know, has been the poster child for greatness on the Eagles. Nick Sirianni came in last year from the Colts. Nick Sirianni takes the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Nick Sirianni jumps up 10-1. and one. The toes are tapping in the world of Nicholas Sirianni. Until they weren't. Until they got beat, what, five out of their last six. Until they just got belly-whomped. I mean, belly-whomped by the Tampa Bay Bucks. One fan was not having it. One fan, well, you can see it right here. Let's show you what not to do as a fan, will you? Done, Nick. You're done, Nick. You're Popcorn. done. Popcorn, there it goes. You're done, Nick. Hey, show that again, because I want people to, I, I, the first couple times I saw it the other day, I missed the popcorn. And then he grabs his little, he's got like a seat cushion, he's got like a little helmet. Look at this idiot. You'll see the popcorn right there. There it goes. There, you're done, Nick. You're done. You're done, Nick. Yeah, you're done. You're done, Nick. It's over. It's over because I say it's over, Nick. Oh, man. And he just wants to walk out. He got arrested, that guy did. He should. I don't know what's happened to him since. He's not worth anyone's time. But the dude there in the yellow, and if we'd have let that thing continue, you see, he just, this guy tries to kind of, he grabs his little stuff there, you see, and he's going to walk out of there, and they're like, no, you're not. No, you can't just you can't just throw popcorn on somebody, you dense moron. What's wrong with you? Speaking of dense morons, everybody in the world has wanted to do this. Everybody that's ever played basketball has wanted to do this. Flip off the ref 
Everybody's wanted to give him the business. Everybody's wanted to say, hey, screw you. There he is right there, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty close game. North Carolina State will probably win the game. They do. But North Carolina State was going to give them a chance because DJ Horn, who's like in his 20th year of college basketball, went full double action on him. (laughs) See, I think I would have given the guy two technicals, maybe three, one for each finger and then one for his mouth, which would have given the opportunity for Wake Forest to win the game. See, I think this is racism as well. I think that B.J. Horn or P.J. Horn or whatever the hell this guy is, D.J. Jazzy Jeff Horn, doesn't like white people. And I think he's flipping off a white referee. I think this is racism. I think we've got to change our ways. I think we've got to quote and racism. We've got to be loved. D.J. Horn is not being loved. Be loved, D.J. Horn. Why are you not being loved? Be loved. He didn't just give him one bird. He gave him the double bird. Hey, apparently Shadur and Shiloh uh, Sanders are fashion show models. Dion's football-playing kids are walking on the Louis Vuitton menswear show Tuesday night, showing the world they're focused more off the field. Oh, stop it. That's from my guy's Nick. I walked right into that. They're focused more off the field than they are on the field. Oh, stop it. Let me see these two guys. Yeah? That's like a fashion? Yeah? That looks like a day in the life at Bass Pro Shop right there. That looks like Target. That's Louie? That's, hey, I'm coming here and I'm bringing Louie. I'll say this for the Sanders kids, man. They're making the most of it. They're having a great time in college. Because you know there's some little underfed, anemic uh, runway model that just wants to get with the fellas. It's always the case. I've walked on many a runway in Paris. I've done many a walk at Antibes. I've done this like is my job at the Fashion Institute of Technology, FIT we call it, in New York City. I know what time it is. So he's walking around. I don't even know what that outfit is. That's outdoor wilderness musk. <laughs> People got mad, right? Because to Nick and Nick's credit, they're actually right when they said they're focused more on off the field than they are on the field. But I also got to say, come on, it's only January. And the fellas got an opportunity to do something they'll never have the opportunity to do again. Are you kidding me? I do that in a heartbeat. Hey, Coach Knight, uh, I got to go walk a runway. Yeah, you'll be walking a plank here. <laughs> I don't see that as fashion, Cash Man. I'm sorry, but I don't. I'm not smart enough to know what fashion is. I'm not smart enough to know what fashion isn't. But I guess that's high fashion. That's Louie. I'm bringing Louie. All right, let's woke and dope it up, shall we? Let's go. Woke adult me. I love the smiles. Oh, man. Recruitment is down. 
and we have no idea why. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, man? You walk in, you know, your life's at a, at a crossroads here. You're, you're going to try to figure out, what am I going to do? Where am I going to be in 10 years? What do I want to be? And you walk into the recruitment's office and you see there's that uniform and it's got all the little ribbons and awards and purple hearts and all that stuff, blue stars and all that stuff. And it turns around and it's this, Karen McSoldier. I'll be like, wait a second here. Hold the phone. What's going on around these parts? Yo, Karen Mac Soldier, lighten up a little bit. And what I love about Karen McSoldier is that's some good hair. That's that hair that lady, she and her husband were all the rage. They had like eight kids and then they got divorced and they were like uh, Mary Kate and eight or something like that. And that, that looks like her. <laughs> Next! Can you imagine? Oh, man, let's see. Voting for the candidate of their choice, Americans, Democrats protecting democracy. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. Next! I know. Economic, you pay taxes. I send it to Ukraine. They send it back to Hunter. Hunter gives it to me. Man. Do you think in, in a real world that's how it really works? I kind of feel like it does. I kind of feel like somehow, some way, and this is why I've not wanted to pay taxes this year, somehow, some way, that's exactly what's going on. We're so invested in investing in a war in Ukraine that this eventually pumps itself back to Biden's. Now, you got to understand, Biden's are little sneaky guys. It was just yesterday, I believe, that the Department of Justice came out and said, hey, look, the Hunter laptop is real. I mean, Emma Jo Morris came on our show for years, two years. She broke the story for the New York Post, and she's like, of course it's real. What are you talking about? Well, anyway, Bidenomics, these are sneaky guys. So Biden said in a nationally televised debate, he looked at the American people and lied. No, No news companies care about it. They're sneaky folk, as we call them. They're just a sneaky group of folk. <laughs> and I don't like them. I don't like them even a little bit. Not even a skosh do I like these people. Next! Or that might be it. All right. We're going to play the game again. It'll be the third time we play. Because I used to love the game. Sit in the doctor's office, get Highlights Magazine, and here it was. You got a picture, and you're supposed to cross out what's different in this picture from that picture, or you got stuff in a big tree, and you're supposed to pull out the key. I mean, all this stuff. Here are two, same interview. Tell me what's different. Let's go to the unedited version first. Your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? First and foremost, I just want to give all glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got, I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, 
I'm blessed enough being in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. So many. Yeah, all right. Here's how NBC edited that for their website. CJ, your first playoff game in your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got, I've really just been doing it for Houston, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough being in the position I am and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now. And uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. I think that was the easy one. I think you all saw that they took out the Lord, my Savior. They took out Jesus because they don't want faith. They don't want faith. They want narrative. They want their rhetoric. They want the transgender lies. They don't want faith. They want Black Lives Matter. They make money off Black Lives Matter. They make money off of divide and conquer. So, of course, they want to take out. Of course, they want to eliminate narratives that spread faith. It's scary. It's scary that a news organization feels like they can do that. There was a time, I don't think news organizations felt like they could do that. I think they're very comfortable doing it now. And that makes that very, very scary. Hey, coming up at 11.15, Ken Sterling and I are going to do our Two Big Brains show. Uh, I got to run. I got a doctor's appointment after Two Big Brains. But I appreciate everybody for being here. We'll see you tomorrow.